Hey, everybody. Welcome to JPD Weekly. We have a very important topic to talk about today, the infiltration of the New Age movement in Christianity. Now, those of you who have been following me uh, for any number of years know that me and uh, my good friend Stephen Bancars a couple of years ago put out a book called The Second Coming of the New Age. And in that, we try to warn Christians about the New Age infiltration and uh, what things to look for. Because unfortunately, a lot of Christians have unknowingly adopted New Age beliefs and practices into uh, into their into their Christianity. And it's infiltrated churches, and it's it's a really big deal. It's... it's uh, it, Steve and I have tried to put a dent in this problem, but you know, even now, a couple years later, that that book is more needed today than it was even when it was first written. Uh, it seems like this problem has only gotten worse, and it's going to continue. So it really helps if we know what to look for, and really how all this started. Um, I get messages sometimes, and I, the whole point of this is is not to make anybody feel stupid or embarrass anybody. Uh, I came out of New Age myself. There, there was a time where I was heavily into New Age stuff, and I didn't really understand the danger. I didn't really understand. I thought it was an extension of Christianity. You know, I thought I thought that uh, you know just fundamental Christianity was flawed. It was incomplete, and that some of these New Age things helped filled filled it in. Um, and I was deceived. I was heavily, heavily, heavily deceived. And I get messages sometimes from Christians who unknowingly are in that same level of, of deception. And again, this isn't to mock or make fun of anybody. I, I genuinely care for these people, and I want to see people get free from the bondage that they don't even know they're in. Um, and, and again, it, it's not until you get out that you really see the, the level of slavery uh, that exists in the New Age movement. Um, once you're out and once you find your freedom in Christ, true freedom in the true Christ, not the New Age Christ, but the true one, uh, then you see how dangerous this stuff actually is. Um, so I wanted to talk about that today, and I might I might dedicate a few videos to this because, you know, again, it's, it, it is something that I've talked about before, but I haven't really uh, talked about it much in the past couple of years, and I, I want to, I, I, you know, every once in a while, I want to, I want to revisit this topic because it is so important, and I think it helps us if we go back to the beginning and kind of understand where this came from. So, so the modern New Age movement can be traced possibly as far back through history as the beginning of mankind, uh, and we'll talk about that a, a little bit later. But it speaks to the the flawed human conditions that Christians call sin nature, our perpetual desire to rebel against God, uh, to, to usurp the divine authority of God and to seat ourselves in his place. And you know that we're, we're doing that if we, if we constantly try to redefine the Bible. Well, God doesn't really have a problem with this or that. You know, well, divination isn't really that bad or what I'm doing isn't really divination. Uh, you, you know, anytime that we start to get into these, well, it's not really that, then, then we're in, in, dangerous territory. If you're if you're half if you're reading through the Bible and you're you're constantly finding your own your own kind of wants and desires um that other people, other Christians by and large disagree with, uh that is a red flag. You know, it may, maybe maybe there are there are things where maybe, you know, just the majority of Christians are wrong, but I, I when it comes to divination, new age kind of stuff, anything that tells you that you're empowered in some way 
and that it's not God, but it's you. I mean, that's, that's dangerous. The, the, the fact of the matter is God tells us divination is wrong. He tells us that we're not supposed to be, um, you know, f- finding messages in the stars and, you, you know, like looking at horoscopes and astrology kind of stuff. Uh, now there, there is a biblical precedent for, uh, times and seasons. Um, and, and there are, there are specific astronomical signs having to do with that, but it's not horoscopes. It's not when you were born has anything to do with anything that that's man-made that that is a, a a satanic perversion of something that God already put in place uh, so none of that is is accurate and what the new age will do is is they'll borrow a term that's in the Bible um, uh, you, you know they'll borrow a term and then twist its meaning to to fit some new age or or really some satanic uh, um, teaching, and then they'll convince Christians that that's actually the true meaning of it. Uh, so we have to we have to be very careful of that. Um, but again, it's it's anything that entices us to rebel against God in some way or redefine what God has has laid out in Scripture. This or that is wrong. Don't do this or that, and then we try to redefine that. Uh, anything that makes excuses or allows us to continue in our sin nature, and, and especially anything that usurps the divine authority of God and seats ourself in his place. You know, you might think that something like astrology wouldn't do that, but even something like that, something like horoscopes, what you're doing is, is you are interpreting uh, the stars or the sun. You're interpreting it to mean something for somebody, and God's not doing that. Uh, so that, that's the problem, because it's, it's a self-godhood thing. Um, while most new, well, okay. Most Christians who have new age beliefs, but don't know it, they're not going to say, yeah, I'm my own God. Now, new agers will say stuff like that, but Christians who are adopting new age practices and don't, don't know it, they typically would not say, well, I'm my own God, but their, their beliefs and their actions are, are actually attesting to, to that. They're, they're actually showing that they do in some sense, believe that even if they won't admit it to themselves. And I know that because, again, I was right there and I did that same kind of thing. For me, it was astral projection. That was kind of my new age superpower, you know. That that was like my my thing that I used where I thought I was special. Uh, God gave me this gift and I, I, I could use it. And I, I had convinced myself of all this stuff. I, I had really Christianized it in my own head. Um, and I, I was flat out wrong for that. Um other people use other things. Other people, it's maybe it's meditation or remote viewing or, or like I said, horoscopes or astrology or something like that, tarot cards. Uh, we see that in, in churches now. They won't call them tarot cards. They'll call them destiny cards, but it's the same basic practice. Talking to angels, visiting the courts of heaven. You know, I mean, there's all these things that are new age practices that have been Christianized. And we as Christians really need to be aware of that because it is spiritually dangerous and it, 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 all it does is lead us further away from God. The more we focus on ourselves and our own abilities, uh, the less we're focused on God. I mean, even the gifts of the Holy Spirits themselves, they're for service and edifying the church, but they're all to glorify God. None of it is to glorify us. 
So we have to we have to watch out for that. Now, to properly understand New Age today, it's important to see how this line of thinking has grown throughout history. So uh, we can talk about Gnosticism, which I think is a great place to start. Uh, author Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code brought the ancient beliefs and practices of Gnosticism back into pop culture, and it really hasn't left. Um, but this was not the introduction of Gnosticism into modern times. The New Age movement and occultism were far ahead of Dan Brown. Uh, now, first, we can look at Gnosticism as a whole, you know, what was taught, what was believed, and what was uh, borrowed from New Age, the New Age movement, because that's what the New Age movement does. They borrow things from all these other religions, things that they like, and they pile it into this new thing. Uh, but but really what they're doing is they're just picking and choosing things that they like subjectively, and there's no real objective truth in it. So on the surface, New Age seems really friendly to Gnosticism. There are principles within Gnosticism, though, that even those who follow New Age would likely disavow if they knew about them. Uh, and this is ex an example of that picking and choosing method that New Age theology ad uh, adherents actually take in deciding what to teach. So let's explore some of the basics of Gnosticism along with the more controversial and really atrocious issues that are associated with it. Now, Gnosticism means having knowledge. It originated as a heretical group within Jewish slash Christian circles in the first and second, second, second century AD. Uh, some of the scriptures of the New Testament actually deal with early forms of Gnosticism. Uh, this was before it was solidified into Gnosticism that, that we know now, but, uh, but this was when it was just kind of forming. Uh, actually, all, all of the times where, you know, Paul says like, you know, there's going to be wolves among you and, and all that. Th this, this is what it's talking about. This, this Gnostic movement that was springing up. It combined uh, many different ancient religious ideas into one, much like the New Age movement does today. Uh, the basic teaching of Gnosticism was that the physical world was created by an emanation of the highest God or force that instilled a divine spark within humanity. That divine spark is taught to be realized by gnosis, which is a type of knowledge or insight or meditation into humanity's nature as being divine itself. Uh, so this is where the, the godhood, the self-godhood stuff comes from. It, it was seen as heretical within Christian circles for many reasons. One of the most important being that it teaches finding salvation in one's self instead of submitting to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. See, that's something else. If your form of Christianity allows you to basically do whatever you want, I would be very suspicious of that. Uh, because you're how, how then are you submitting to the will of Christ? Like for me, when I really gave my life to Jesus, I had to quit astral projecting. I, I had to stop. And I, when I was in New Age, I enjoyed doing that. Um, but I, I had to stop because not only is it extremely dangerous, I mean, you can enjoy heroin, you can enjoy, you know, cocaine, but that doesn't mean that it's good for you. Um, I, I, so I had to give that up, but it was, it was for my betterment. Like it was, it was, it, Jesus doesn't just give us arbitrary rules to, to test our allegiance to him. Uh, they, they, they're for a reason. Now we don't always know what that reason is, nor do we need to know what that reason is. That's where trust in Jesus comes from, but that's why we just follow him. If he says, don't read the stars, don't read the stars. If it's witchcraft, then it's witchcraft. Don't do it. 
Um, so we have to, we have to keep that in mind. If your version of Christianity basically allows you to do whatever you want, well, I get to read tarot cards because it's angels. It's not really tarot cards. You, you know, if, if you're making excuses like that, that's something to watch out for. Uh, a true submission to Christ. I mean, there should be things that you have to give up because you by nature are not a perfect person. You're not a perfect Christian. None of us are. Uh, so if you're truly submitting to Christ, there should be things that you want to do that you can't do, that you that you have to you have to give up. There should be stuff like that. Now you know Jesus makes that easy over time. Like I don't think about astral projecting anymore. I, I now I don't want to do it because I see how uh, dangerous it really is. So I, I don't. It's, it's not like this constant addiction that I'm dealing with or anything. But for a little while, it was kind of tough. Um, so that 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 kind of stuff we need to keep in mind. Um, now, another reason uh, about this Gnosticism thing is, is that it, it implies that God and man are ontologically equivalent, meaning that they both share the same fundamental nature as one another. Gnosticism teaches that. So this, too, is explicitly refuted in Scripture as uh, as is, is clear. There's a clear difference between God and man. We are the creation. He is the creator. Um, and we're not on the same level as God at all. Uh, but that shows how much he loves us. Now, in a lot of Gnostic teachings, the overall highest spiritual power and supreme being is known as the monad. Uh, that comes from Greek monus, meaning uh, one unit. So the monad goes by other names as well, such as the one, the absolute, uh, aeon telios, or the perfect aeon, bithos, or beoth of profundity, uh, proarche, or before the beginning, um, the, the arche, the beginning, uh, the, the the ineffable parent and the primal father. There's all these names for it, but it was taught that the monad is the source of what they call the, play, the, the pleroma, a light that makes up the fullness of the Godhead. Now, various divine entities and spiritual realms are said to have emerged from the monad, which are um, arranged as like a hierarchy based on their closeness to the monad. So the divine entities are known as aeons. Uh, among them are... Christ, who exists close to the monad, but is also very different from the Christian understanding of Jesus Christ. The lowest aeon is Sophia, whose rebellion is blamed for the creation of the physical world. And again, they see the physical world as bad. Uh, the view, uh, this view is likely inspired by the Pythagoreans, according to Hippolytus. The Pythagoreans uh, the first to to them, the the first existing thing was the monad, which uh, from which came the dyad, then the numbers, points, lines, and so on. Uh, but Pythagorean and Platonic philosophers, such as uh, Plotinus and Porphyry, always have trouble saying that. Uh, they were critical of this to a point of uh, condemning uh, Gnosis and Gnosis and Gnostic circles for their characterization of the monad. So the monad is described in the Apocryphon of John, which is a second century Sethian Gnostic text containing secret teachings. Any, be careful of like secret teachings or like that, that kind of stuff. A lot of that's Gnostic. Um, and, and uh, there's a lot of things called like the gospel of Thomas or, you know, the gospel of so-and-so. It's Gnostic stuff. It's, it's not, there's, there's no truth in it. 
But this one uh, describes Jesus appearing to John the Apostle and teaching him gnosis and other secret knowledge. It describes the monad as a monarchy with nothing above it. The monad is described as being indescribable and inconceivable. Human beings have no way to explain it, let alone have any kind of personal relationship with the monad. So the monad can be described as a sort of impersonal force out of which everything else was brought into existence. Definitely different than the God of the Bible. A feminine divine entity called Barbello, uh, described as the first thought, and the image of the monad is produced from the monad. Uh, while Barbello is always referred to as she, she is also said to be both the primordial mother and father to the extent of being regarded as the first man, as well as other terms of andro androgyny. It's another hard word for me to say. <laughs> she is the uh, the first of the aeons, and an uh, exchange between herself and the monad produces the other aeons. Also, the light and mind are born from the monad's reflection on Barbello. The light, mind, Barbello, and the monad create more aeons and powers together, which leads us uh, back to Sophia, which again means wisdom. And according to the Apocryphon of John... Uh, Sophia is the lowest of the aeons. She decides to engage in creation without including or informing the monad and without her male consort, who is the Christ in, in this text. Uh, she creates an entity named Yel Yeltabaoth. <laughs> Hard word to say. The Demiurge. Uh, this is the first of new creations of incomplete, deeply flawed entities called Archons. Yalta Beoth is described as malevolent, evil, and arrogant, and possesses a grotesque form of a serpentine body with the head of a lion. Realizing the deformed and imperfect nature of her creation, Sophia tries to hide it where the other aeons can't find it. So because of this, uh, Yalta Beoth uh, believes he is alone with no other beings above him. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Yaltabaoth, um, despite being malformed and imperfect, still has the power to create. So he creates the Archons, each of whom is evil, like himself. Uh, in this text, uh, Yaltabaoth also creates a, a world for the Archons to inhabit. This world is completely inferior to what the Monad and Aeons have created above, and it's made from darkness, but animated by a light stolen from Sophia. So the world is described as neither light nor dark, but instead dim. Uh, Yeltabaoth de declares himself as the only god of this realm, and he is incredibly jealous. After seeing all of this, uh, Sophia eventually repents for her creative actions. The spirit of the monad forgives her by assisting the other aeons and powers in attempting to redeem Sophia and her creation. And during that process, uh, Yeltabaoth and the lesser spirits hear the voice of the monad, which leaves a type of imprint of the monad spirit on the waters that form the roof of Yeltabaoth's realm. So Yeltabaoth and the archons then try to harness that power for themselves and end up creating the first human man, Adam. Sophia and the Pleroma then trick Yeltabaoth into breathing his own spiritual essence into Adam, thereby animating Adam and emptying Yeltabaoth of the portion of his being which came from Sophia. So after seeing the obvious superiority of the living Adam, Yeltabaoth and the Archons try to imprison or kill him, depending on the version of the story. And after failing to do so, and you can see elements of here. You can actually see how Satan cleverly came up with this story because there's a lot of, I mean, this is Satan, right? But he's trying to say that 
th this is like the creator. I mean, it, it's insane. But so so Yeldabaoth tries to try to either imprison or kill Adam. After failing to do so, uh, they then try to limit Adam by putting him in the Garden of Eden. This garden is far different from the one described in the Bible. Uh, in the Apocryphon of John, the Garden of Eden is described as a false paradise where the fruit of the trees is sin, lust, ignorance, confinement, and death. Adam is given access to the tree of life, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is hidden from him. In the Apocryphon of John, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents the influence of the higher forces into Yeltabaoth's realm. Now, in the story, this is where Christ tells John that it was actually he who caused Adam to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can see what Satan is doing in, in spinning this, this story. Um, it's also revealed that Eve was a, a, a helper sent by the higher aeons to help liberate the light imprisoned in Yeltabaoth's creation, including in Adam himself. Uh, when Adam sees Eve, he sees a reflection of his own essence. Uh, and is freed from the holding power of Yeltabaoth. And after this, Yeltabaoth tries to regain control over the light by initiating within humanity the activity of sex in, hoping, uh, uh, in the hope of creating new human bodies that can be inhabited by a counterfeit spirit. And it's by this spirit that Yeltabaoth and the Archons can keep the human race ignorant of their true nature through deception. This is the source of all human evil, and causes people to die without knowing the truth, according to this very, very false, false, false story. So after this, the story concludes with John the Apostle asking Christ a series of questions, including who is truly able to be saved. Contrary to biblical teaching, the Apocryphon of John states that those who come into contact with the true spirit will be saved, while those who are dominated by the counterfeit spirit will be damned. This salvation does not come through Jesus Christ's sacrificial death on the cross, but instead comes through self-realization or gnosis. Uh, so if it hasn't become obvious by now, Yeltabaoth is what the ancient Gnostics actually thought of Yahweh, the God of the Bible. They considered the God of the Bible as stupid and evil and even blamed him as being the serpent in the Garden of Eden who tempted humanity into sin. Uh, they taught, much like New Age theology teaches today, that salvation is found subjectively in one's own self rather than objectively in the literal sacrificial atoning death of Jesus Christ on the cross. A person attains his own salvation and there's no way to really tell if you're saved or not, which is like, imagine living your life like that. Whereas Christianity teaches Jesus Christ did all the work. You don't do anything. <laughs> you know, you just believe. You just trust in Jesus for your salvation and you got it. That's it. Uh, there's nothing to figure out. Are you saved? Well, do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust Jesus to, to, you know, for your eternal life? Yes, then you're saved. That's it. Do you deny Jesus? Yes, then you're not saved. Uh, it's as easy as that. But with New Age theology and a lot of other religions, um, they teach a, a self-godhood, a self-salvation kind of thing where you have to do stuff and you never really know. You never really know if you're saved or not. Now, the other problem with this has to do with the Gnostic view uh, men... That, that, that men have of women in Gnosticism. So, and th this actually, a lot of New Agers would not go along with this. Uh, but Gnosticism actually teaches that the female Sophia introduced error into the lower world. Also, Adam, not Eve, received the divine spark. Uh, the Gnostic text, the Gospel of Thomas, states that, quote, women are not worthy of life, end quote. And, quote, 
every female who makes herself male will enter heaven's kingdom, end quote. That, you know, that, that might explain some modern trends today. But uh, females were, were, were just, just disregarded. I mean, they, they were, they were um, very insultingly uh, uh, discarded in, in Gnosticism. So anti-female portrayals within Gnosticism are found in external sources as well. Clement of Alexandria wrote, quote, They say, about the Gnostics, they say that the Savior himself said, I come to destroy the works of the female, meaning by female, desire, and by works, birth and corruption, end quote. So uh, other examples have clearly been outlined by researchers, including Dr. Michael Heiser and others. Uh, but Gnosticism does not have a high view of women at all. They have a very high view of men, a very low view of women. And, and it's interesting because... Uh, a, a lot a lot of new age followers uh, when they're really in it they try to make christianity out to be the sexist thing and that's not true actually when you when you really read what jesus said and did uh he treated men and women basically the same you know in terms of value now men and women obviously have have different strengths different jobs different talents but not one is above the other i mean in terms of value, in terms of value, we're all made in the image of God. Gnosticism doesn't teach that. In Gnosticism, women basically have no value. Now, many times, New Age theology is conflated with various political movements, you know, feminism, liberalism, that kind of stuff. And within these movements, a female's worth, power, identity, and role are seen uh, at least equal to, if not even higher than, a male's. Therefore, in order to adopt the teachings of Gnosticism, New Age theology is forced to pick and choose which parts are acceptable and which are not, thereby distorting it away from its primary meaning to something that suits the philosophy of New Age practitioners. Now, adopting Gnosticism uh, as it really is would jeopardize the socio-cultural objectives of the New Age by causing disunity and hierarchy within genders. Um, now, there's also some modern, uh, there, there's also, in the modern New Age movement, there's some Eastern mysticism influences, uh, and it all ties back to the self-godhood thing. Uh, now, to say that the New Age movement is influenced by Eastern mysticism would be an understatement. According to certain understandings within Eastern mysticism, specifically uh, the Vedanic Hinduism, uh, Brahman is considered the ultimate, absolute, formless source of reality. Brahman is uh, the source of everything in this view, yet it's impersonal. It's a metaphysical force from which everything in the universe comes, yet therein lies the fallacy. How can an impersonal force be responsible for the personhood of human beings? How can something lacking personal consciousness bring forth personal consciousness? How can something that has no personal mind, free will, or volition design and fine-tune a universe for intelligent human persons to live within? So the notion of Brahman fails to explain how a universe as marvelously complex as ours could emerge from something that lacks personal intelligence and how something as miraculous as personal agents could emerge from something that has no personhood. 
Now, in the Upanishads, which is a series of Hindu sacred treatises written in Sanskrit around 800 to 200 BC, a variety of themes with multiple possible interpretations is offered. So Gavin Flood summarizes the concept of Brahman in the uh, Upanishads to be the, quote, essence, the smallest particle of the cosmos and the infinite universe, end quote, uh, also the, quote, essence of all things which cannot be seen, though it can be experienced, end quote, and describes it as the, quote, self-soul within each person, each being, uh, and then, end quote, and then also the truth, the reality, the absolute, and the bliss. Now, according to some interpretations, the uh, Upanishads teach that Brahman cannot be seen or heard, but this is but but this ultimate essence of material reality can be known through one's own development of self-knowledge. Now, doesn't that sound familiar with what we've already talked about? Now, in Hindu philosophy, the Atman is the true self of a person or the essence of the uh, individuality. The Atman is also considered identical with the transcendent self, Brahman, um, as Richard King in early uh, Advaita uh, Vedanta and Buddhism puts it, quote, Atman as the innermost essence or soul of man and Brahman as the innermost essence and support of the universe. Thus, we can see in the Upanishads a tendency towards a convergence of microcosm and macrocosm culminating in the equating of Atman with Brahman, end quote. An individual attains moksha, which is uh, liberation, by acquiring Atma, uh, Atma Inanna, or self-knowledge, which is to realize that his own Atman, or true self, is the same as Brahman. Again, I mean, it's, it mirrors Gnosticism. As David Lorenzen in, in uh, Hindu World explains, quote, Advaita and Nirguni movements stress an interior mysticism in which the devotee seeks to discover the identity of individual soul, Atma, with the universal ground of being, Brahman, or to find God within himself, end quote. So this also allows the individual to enter moksha, which is a state of enlightenment where he can now escape the cycle of samsara, or cycle of reincarnation, by transcending the need for further reincarnation. So in essence, much like modern New Age today, Eastern mysticism and many other ancient and modern belief systems around the world teach, uh, as, as they do, that, and, and this, this, is, this is why it's another good example of the belief in a self-godhood thing. They teach this self-godhood idea. Everything depends on you. Don't rely on God. Rely on yourself. Christianity is the only one where it says, no, let's be real here. You're broken. You can't be relied on for anything, uh, you know, anything spiritual. So uh, you're going to have to let God do that. Rely on him. He did it for you uh, through Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christ paid the price for you. Trust in him and you're all set. But you're not God. You're never going to be God. You, you, uh, you aren't on the same level playing field as God, but God loves you so much, he, he wants to uh, bring you into the family as a son or as a daughter. So it, it's a totally different message. Uh, but this ancient Hinduism and Gnostic stuff, uh, it, it's an ancient belief that states, um, you know, the self-godhood thing. It's, it states that the goal for an individual's life is to find salvation or liberation by realizing that he or she is God itself. You know, everything from self-divinity to pantheism to yoga to reincarnation, all of it, it has its origin in Hindu philosophy a viewpoint that Jesus diametrically opposed in his earthly ministry. New Age theology um, 
today, it's, it's nothing more than rehashed Eastern mysticism uh, and Gnosticism, but this deception actually goes much deeper and much further back in time than that. It, it goes back to the ancient root of modern self-godhood. Uh, and we do have a lot more to talk about, but I mainly wanted to deal with that first, just so we know what these roots are and that we can be aware any teaching that promotes like self-reliance uh, in that way for your own salvation or or if there's some gift, like I, I was big, in, like I said, I was big into astral projection. I thought that it was a gift. I thought that it was some kind of thing that I could do. And it doesn't, doesn't that make me more interesting? Doesn't that make me special? Anything like that, anything like that is wrong. Even, even a gift that's supposed to be from the Holy Spirit, it's, it, what, for what reason? It's to glorify God. It's to edify the body. It's to be used in service of uh, other believers and spreading the gospel. So, you know, whether you are pro-Holy Spirit gift or anti-Spirit gift, whether you're cessationist or continuous, you know, what, whatever. Um, and by the way, no sensationist thinks that all of the gifts have been done away with. Uh, cessationists believe that most of them are still here. You know, there's teaching and there, there's, there's gifts that are still here. But, but what, whatever, it doesn't matter. What the, the, point, the point is... That gift, it's not by your own will. That's what the Bible teaches. It's not by your own will that you make these things happen, like like the gift of prophecy. There are some people that that like they read the stars and stuff, uh, and they they divine like prophecy from that, and they think that they can see into other people's lives. But Scripture says that prophecy is not by man's interpretation. That no prophecy, no true prophecy, has ever been. Uh, just interpreted by man. It is a message. You get that in Second Peter. It's a message from the Holy Spirit. It's a message from God. It's sort of like this. You either get a phone call or you don't. <laughs> um, you don't have to learn to get a phone call. Either somebody calls you or they don't. So if you get a phone call, you answer. And then uh, if the person on the other line says, hey, tell so-and-so such-and-such, then it is your job to then go to that person and say, hey, he said this. So you're a you're just a messenger, right? That's that's what prophecy is. God tells somebody something and then it's that person's job to relay the message. They're a messenger. They're they're not anything else. They don't divine this stuff themselves. That's the same with the gift of healing. It's the same it's the same with all the gifts. God gets the glory, not man. The second man gets the glory, that that then it's it's not, it can't be of God. Uh, it says that scripture says that God will not share his, um, his, uh, his, his glory with another. So we have to be really careful of that. Anything, anything that teaches you to elevate yourself in some way, in any way above other people, wrong, uh, get away from it because Christianity, we're all made in the image of God. We're all equal in those regards. And the only thing that separates us is the blood of Christ. Have we accepted that or not? Um, if you are saved, then you, you have decided to accept the gift. You answered the call. If you're not saved, the phone's ringing. You're just not picking up. So you're not really doing anything. You don't contribute to your salvation. But Satan wants you to believe that you do. Satan wants you to believe that you have superpowers, that, that you have abilities different from everybody else because, because it causes you in your own heart to elevate yourself above other people and it destroys your love for other people and it definitely destroys your love for God and you become self-absorbed. You start thinking about yourself more than other people. I cannot tell you how many messages I get from people 
where it is literally all about them. It is all about, and I just, I, I don't answer them anymore. And, and I don't mean like, I, I don't mean, hey, I got a question. I'm really struggling with this. Can you help? I don't mean that. That's good. You know, that those are good things. But when it's, hey, I need to talk to you on the phone for two hours because I just got a, uh, a, a major download from God, or I read something in the in a star that I need you to know about, or that that kind of stuff. Uh, look, God can give us things, but He's not going to give you something to glorify yourself. He's going to give you something that's going to glorify Him and that's going to edify the body. He's going to give you something that is going to serve other people, and in that service is going to glorify God, glorify Himself. That's it. Um, and if, 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 you know, and of course he, he loves us. He wants a relationship with us. You know, he, he wants that. It's not like, you know, it's not like he's just this far off kind of thing that we have to serve and, and we don't get to have a relationship with it. We have a relationship with him. And with that, there's conversations and things and, you, you know, we, you, you pray and, um, in, in many ways throughout your life, he'll talk back to, you know, with you and share things with you and but it's it's going to be to glorify himself and if we trust in him he knows what's best for us we don't we want to read stars and cards and we we want to astral project and meditate and we want to do all this stuff um that's not what god has for us so god knows what's best for us and we will be more fulfilled because god created us for himself if we go against that plan, we're not going to be fulfilled in our lives. We're going to be stressed and, and we're going to have problems. But if we just submit to Christ and just just live out how we were created to live out, um, you're going to find a peace that you've never known. You're, there's true freedom. There is freedom in truth. And Jesus is the truth, the way and the life. There's true freedom there. And you're not going to get it through any of these other practices. If you have, If you have to rely on yourself for it, you'll never get there because you're not God. And th- this is what uh, ties back to this ancient notion of uh, modern self-godhood. And we're going to talk about that in the members-only section. So if you haven't had a chance, head on over to dailyrenegade.com uh, right now and get a membership. I'll tell you what, we'll be back right after this. Dr. Ken Johnson and I, if, uh, if those of you out there are familiar with Dr. Ken Johnson, he's been a guest on before. We're going to have him back on again to talk about this calendar. But um, he has a website called dsscalendar.org, and it's basically an online version of the Dead Sea Scroll calendar, which is a great resource. It's for free. Anybody can use it. But it does also mean that you have to – it's not an app. It's a website. So you have to pull out your phone every time you want to look at it and, and scroll around and look for things. So I reached out to Ken and I said, hey, what would you think about us uh, kind of like going into business together? But what, what would you say about producing a print calendar? Because I, I know how to do that. He already designed the calendar, so the hard work's done. I know how to get it into print and get it out to people. What, what do you say? And he was all for it. He was excited about it. So Ken and I worked together and produced the ancient Dead Sea Scroll calendar in print form. And this is for this year. Uh, and it, it's it's absolutely beautifully uh, printed. There are eight different styles, eight different uh, versions of this calendar that people can get if they want to. But basically what you have is, I don't know if people can see that, but you have the Dead Sea Scroll 
uh, calendar on the top with all the feast days and everything. And then on the bottom, you have the normal, just American regular kind of calendar. Even uh, even if you if you get the square one, the square style, you even get like pictures for St. Patrick's Day and the holidays and stuff like that. Uh, so that is for this year. It starts in March. So don't think, well, it's four months into the year by now. There's no point in getting one. The Dead Sea Scroll calendar starts in March. So it's a great time to pick one up. But as I said, we also have uh, several other options. We have three different poster versions, which are just, you know, they're just posters. Uh, we have three different versions of that. We have um, a desk calendar style. Uh, so, you know, th this is like if you if you have a family member or a friend or something that has a desk job or something, this is this is a great gift. Uh, and then we also have this little CD case version, which is, I thought this was a uh, pretty innovative and cool, but it just opens like a CD, but you can stand it on your desk like that. And then it's, uh, you just have cards. They, they come out as cards. There's, uh, the calendar on one side, and then there's, uh, the American holidays on the, on the back side, And you just set it on your, on your desk or wherever like that. So if people want that, There is a link in the description below, and by the time this episode airs, we should have uh, the link right at dailyrenegade.com. So if you go to dailyrenegade.com right now, you should, if I'm timing this out right, you should see a graphic right on the page on the login screen. You don't have to be a member to take advantage of this, but uh, it'll, uh, we'll put it right on the login screen. DailyRenegade.com, you'll see a graphic there. You can click on that, pick your calendar, and uh, we'll, we'll keep doing this every year. Or you can go to Dr. Ken Johnson's website, BibleFacts.org, or DSScalendar.org, and you can see the same graphic there and get it there. Either way, it takes you to the same place, and uh, your purchase of a calendar goes both to help support Ken's ministry and Daily Renegade. So uh, if you already know that you love us both and you want a calendar, that's the place to go. Uh, okay, so we are going to take a break and we're going to pick this back up in the members only section. If you haven't had a chance yet, again, please go to dailyrenegade.com and get a membership today. If you get a monthly or yearly membership, you'll have full access uh, to my newest film dealing with how Christians should look at the UFO disclosure movement that's been opening up more and more in our government today. It seems like every day now we're getting new uh, news headlines on how the government is admitting to more and more and more. Well, how are we as Christians to respond to that? And what is this connection between UFO disclosure events and major events in Israel's uh, history and geopolitics in the Middle East? Because things are heating up there too. And these two seemingly different things uh, converge somehow. So the film gets into all that. Um, and it, it, I'm in it. Derek Gilbert is in it. Uh, we have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, uh, Steve Ciccolani, uh, Pastor Steve, if you guys uh, know him from, from YouTube and other various places. My wife, Christina, is in it. So it's a great lineup. It's also narrated by Zachary Lautitas. If you're familiar with that show, Prison Break, he was in that. He's been in a couple other movies and stuff since then. But he actually got me and Derek's book, The Day the Earth Stands Still, which is what this film is based on. Uh, he got a hold of that about a year ago, and uh, it, it really inspired him to reach out to me and Derek and then do some research uh, on his own. So we're going to be having him on the show sometime soon because he's got some amazing insights uh, especially just being connected with Hollywood and seeing what's going on there. This is a truly historic moment. It will be known as the Abraham Accord. Ever since the news broke of the peace agreement between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, many Christians have been wondering what it all means. Is it significant? 
Is it momentous and historic? Or could it even be prophetic? Most importantly, after this, what comes next? Everybody said this would be impossible. That film, What Comes Next, it is only available for paying members. But if you want a free trial, there are still some free things for you. Uh, most specifically, we have a free episode of The Sharpening Report right now with financial expert and Christian Terry Saka right on the front page of DailyRenegade.com, which explains the financial crisis that we're in now and how we as Christians can safely protect our assets with an actual Christian company. This company is amazing. It's basically a ministry effort for us Christians, and it's done through precious metals. So you can go there uh, or just go to Cornerstone Assets in the link in the description below and request more uh, information. I have some silver myself, and I believe that every Christian should absolutely be doing this instead of trusting satanic organizations and doomed-to-fail currency options such as fiat and the banks and all, all of that with, you, with your resources uh, and what you leave behind for your family. At least with Cornerstone, you're um, working with Christians. You, you, know, you have to protect yourself, your family, your assets, and Cornerstone is the only Christian company that I trust with something so important and vital. So check it out. Uh, more information at dailyrenegade.com. Go ahead and watch that episode of The Sharpening Report. It's free for everybody and get the information. Okay, if you haven't had a chance, head on over to dailyrenegade.com right now. Get a membership. Uh, help support this ministry because we got a lot of stuff like this we want to get out there to the world. Um, and we want to edify the church. We want to uh, bring more disciples into the fold. Uh, and, uh, so in order to do that, we have a lot of things against us. YouTube wants to delete our videos and our channels all the time. So we have problems there. Uh, and so we want to grow daily renegade as much as we can, so we can be self reliant. Of course, we're always reliant on God. So this is not the same kind of self-reliance I'm talking about, uh, with the new age stuff. Um, it is only by God that something like daily renegade is even possible. So we're totally reliant on him. Uh, at the same time, we have certain responsibilities, and there are ways that this needs to be done, uh, just given the state of the physical world that we live in. Unfortunately, everything costs money. So uh, if you want to support our ministry, head on over to dailyrenegade.com. If you get a year membership, you actually save uh, quite a bit of money. Um, the year membership is is the best value, and you get that, and you're, you're set for a while, and uh, you, you don't have reoccurring fees and all this stuff. You, you know, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get in another year, you'll... You'll have to pay again, but uh, month to month, it costs a little bit more. Uh, so you actually are technically paying less if you do the year. I, I suggest people get the year, but um, we're going to pick this back up over there. So head on over to dailyrenegade.com. Uh, members, hang on the line. Everybody else viewing for free on YouTube. Thank you so much. And until next time, love you all. Take care and God bless.